Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. What's your favorite scary movie? A dark, scary night. Kind of like tonight. Where are you going to go? Where are you going to run? Where are you going to hide? Do you want to die tonight? Where am I going? We will need eyes to see. Awesome. Yeah, it, I had completely forgotten about that new intro, so that's awesome to hear again. Um, only our second week of heaven, that's so it's pretty cool. Um, I'm Kevin Summerfield. I'm here as always with my wonderful co-host, Andrew, for Slasher Studios Horror Podcast. Andrew, how are you doing tonight? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing very well. Um, so we're, we have like a special um, episode this week. We have a very special guest, Trace Thurman, who writes for Bloody Disgusting. So he's going to be on here, and we're going to be doing kind of a little debate, um, you could say, of the kind of like a late 90s slasher, um, I guess a versus battle of I Know What You Last Summer versus Urban Legend, probably the two two biggest hits after like the Scream era of filmmaking. So he's going to be calling in in a few minutes. Um, So Andrew, have you watched anything recently that you really liked or didn't like? Okay, I I have watched a few things recently, um, two of which are new releases and two of which are older films. Um, first up, I watched Hush by Mike Flanagan. It is on Netflix for free streaming. It's a great like kind of spin on the home invasion genre. It's very tense, very brutal. It's very well done. And then on Amazon video, I rented The Invitation Um through Trace's recommendation and that movie was just it was tense and unsettling that's the the best way I can describe it is tense and unsettling (laughs) (laughs) no that's awesome I'm glad that you got a couple of movies in um I actually also watched the invitation um maybe we can talk about a little bit on our show um I did not like it as much as you guys, but I'm like the only person out there that didn't love this movie. So I don't know if I saw the same one. <laughs> well, you know, different, different strokes for different folks. I knew nothing about it going in except for, I knew a few of the actors and like, at first I was kind of like, Oh, I don't know. And then I kept going. I'm like, eh, I still don't know. And then all of a sudden I was like, Oh my God. Yeah, I mean, I can definitely see that. I mean, I think it's very, um, it's one of those kind of movies that, with it kind of being um, a slow build-up, very much a slow burn, you know, very character-driven. I think that the the characters in this movie, I mean, obviously we can talk about it a little bit more later, but they'll either grow on you or they won't. And if they won't, the final act isn't going to be as much for you. Um, Yeah, you'll have no investment whatsoever. No, 
and I'm really glad that people love it because I, I thought it was really well shot. I thought it was really well acted. For whatever reason, I just I couldn't get into the story. I don't know why. I, you know, we talked about this before on our show, too. I mean, horror movies in general are all about kind of that first impression, and for whatever reason, if it doesn't quite hit you, it probably was never going to. Yeah. Yeah, if it doesn't grab you and you're not invested in it, then it's just kind of like a shell where you're just kind of like, eh, all right, it's there. But, like, when you get, like, sucked into it, then it's just, like, unsettling. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it looks like we do have a caller on the line, so I'm going to guess that this is Trace. So I'm going to patch you in. You're on the air. one. Okay. (laughs) Hey, guys. Hi. What's up? (laughs) Nothing too much. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I am sitting at my desk with my Wikipedia and IMDb pages of both of these movies, quick reference, while drinking some wine. (laughs) (laughs) That That is always a good thing to have. All right, so catch me up to speed. What are we doing? Okay, well, um, if you would like to introduce yourself, uh, tell the listeners a little bit of who you are and kind of a little bit of your horror background, um, you can do that, and then we can jump right in. Okay. Um, well, my name is Trey Thurman. I, uh, I live in Austin, Texas. I am a columnist for the horror website Bloody Disgusting. Um, my horror background, I... Um, I don't know, let's see, spark notes. Um, I was a kid that wasn't allowed to watch R-rated movies growing up, so of course by the time I could, I became obsessed and watched a lot of horror movies. Uh, Favorite subgenres are slasher and aquatic horror, Um, but I have a soft spot for pretty much anything. So, yeah, that's me. Aquatic horror? What does that entail? Aquatic horror? It's anything that involves an animal in the sea or ocean <laughs> killing people. So I'm, I, I'm a sucker for killer shark movies, killer gators, killer anything underwater, but like good quality. I mean, like I, I enjoy things like Sharknado, but those aren't, that, that's, not, not, that's not what I like to see. I like to see things like Deep Blue Sea or Jaws 2. What is your feelings on Deep Rising? You know, I, so I saw Deep Rising late in life. Um, I was I was a junior in college when I saw it for the first time. But I, I think it's a lot of fun, actually. Um, it's definitely one of the more underrated films of the 90s. Agreed. Uh, the only problem I really have with it is the comic relief character lives way too long. <laughs> I agree. Um, but, I, you know, I love me some Fancy Jansen, so I mean, I'll pretty much watch anything with her in it. Ah, yes. I agree. (laughs) And plus, you can't go wrong with a monster sucks a woman out of a toilet. I know. It's so random. (laughs) (laughs) So, Trace, okay, before we kind of jump right into kind of our, the topic of our show, which is kind of the Urban Legend versus I Know What You Did Last Summer. Um, Urban Legend. Where, <laughs> um, where do you kind of fall under with the kind of, um, like, 
because I, 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 I'm trying to think of the best way to put this. So with horror fans, for whatever reason, I mean, like, for liking 90s slashers is kind of this, like, oh, like, this secret, like, walk of shame. It's like, oh, like, I'm not supposed to like these. Like, how do you feel that these kind of movies kind of tighten with the other, like, more like-like sections of the slasher genre? Oh, I mean, well, yes, I, I see that reaction every day. Um, I I love 90s horror and 90s slasher specifically. I know the go-tos are going to be Scream, which obviously I love, but even Scream is looked at by a lot of horror fans negatively for inspiring a lot of cheap knockoffs. But to them I say, well, that's what Friday the 13th is to Halloween. Like, but I still enjoy it. Um, so it really bothers me when, you know, like I'm a child of the nineties. If I write something about a nineties horror movie and, you know, there would be those trolls in the comments who just bash movies specifically. Actually, I know you did last summer, um, for defending it or for even talking about it, you know, like I get thrown, why are you talking about this movie? Like you need to talk about the classics when to me, like those 90 flashers are my classics because I grew up with them. So I, I think that there's a lot to like in all of them, even some of the worst ones like Valentine. Well, and it's silly because you think about the fact that like, yeah, scream. They're like, Oh God, that movie just spawned a bunch of copycats. It's really annoying. But like you said, Halloween and Friday the 13th did the same thing. And without that, we would never have had my blood Valentine. And, like, House on Sorority Row and Curtains and Prom Night and Terror Train. Like, those were all knockoffs as well. The only difference is is you hate the 90s ones because they starred people that were popular at the time as opposed to just random nobody. Well, and I, I hate to be an ageist, but honestly, a lot of the commenters who hate on 90s horror are people that grew up with 70s and 80s horror. So... <laughs> I mean, maybe, you know, I mean, I don't know how, how old you guys are. I, I'm 27. So maybe in 20 years, I'm going to look at horror movies that were, that are coming out in, um, you know, 10 or 20 years. And I'll be like, oh, they're not as good. Like, I, it, it, it's just, it's just a generational thing. You know, maybe we'll be the same way in a couple of years when whatever the next trend is in the 2020s is coming out, you know? Mm-hmm. That's true. No, but, um, I mean, I yeah. have a, a theory on that. Like, I, I honestly think, and I could be wrong on this, but I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that horror in general is a very niche market. And Scream was kind of the first movie that kind of brought horror to the mainstream. And for a lot of horror fans, I feel that they kind of say, like, okay, well, this kind of movie took something away from me. Now everyone likes it. Like, and that's my theory. I don't know how true that necessarily is, but that's kind of what I No, I agree come with across. you. Yeah, I, I agree no, with you. I, I think I that if it if it had failed, ninety percent of the naysayers would flip their opinion on it. But the fact that it was such a huge success is why a lot of people have turned their back on it. Well, I, I don't understand people that don't like a movie because of the movies that it that that that, that it spawned or that it that it inspired. Why don't you hate those movies? Why are you going to hate the movie that was good? I don't know. People just like to bitch. I know. Well, I mean, and, and y'all know me. I mean, you know, I, I'm a person who's going to defend Scream 2 until the day I die. So I, I know all about these, these douchebags, like, 
<laughs> talking you down for liking a certain 90s horror movie. No, I love Scream 2. I do think the first one is better, but only because it's way more streamlined. The second one starts going off into too many characters and too many tangents, but I still love it. I think it's a very good sequel. Mm-hmm. But well, yeah, yeah I, I, no, I get it. Yeah, I'm right there. I mean, I, I'm also one of the few people that like Scream 2 better than the first one, so I'm I like, I'm part of that. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, well, I, I, I say, there's a lull. And so, uh, yeah, Scream is more revolutionary because it came first. But there's a lull of, like, 40 minutes in the middle of Scream where not a lot happens. I mean, yes, I mean, like, it, Scream 2 doesn't pause. Now, I know, Andrew, you had talked about how you don't like Scream 2 as much because they dropped the copycat storyline, which I totally get. Like, they, I don't know what happened with that. <laughs> they just said, fuck it, and just, okay, they just said no. Um, but Well, exactly, and then happened. all of a sudden I was just kind of like, Okay, we don't need to see Sydney rehearsing this giant play. We don't need to see Sydney at the library getting threatening IMs. Like, there's another like middle stretch in Scream Two where not a whole lot happens. So, I mean, it kind of well, and that's a lot of slasher movies. Like, even looking at the '80s slasher movies, a lot of the middle parts, not a whole lot happens. So, it's funny it's, that you mentioned that play scene. Because whenever I was younger, like I, I, you know, I, I or whenever I was older, like watch all the screens. That play scene, it, I would always skip that chapter on my DVD whenever I was watching screens. That rehearsal scene, so I, I get why it's there, but I hate it. It's so boring. <laughs> it's, and it's so on the nose with Cassandra saw everything that was going to happen, and you're a fighter, Sid. And it's, it's oh, that, that it's was a little been stroking himself. <laughs> Yeah. Well, you get David Warner, so it's okay. That's true as well. I love I love me some David Warner, so I, I'm not mad at it. But streamline. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's, it's a little silly. So we can jump right in. We're obviously talking about '90s horror here. Um, I know Shadow Summer and Urban Legend. We talked about a little bit before. Those are kind of like the two big ones that were really inspired by, or not even so much inspired by, but just kind of made up based on the success of Scream. Um, so I, I'm trying to think of how to, like, jump right into this. Um, do you guys have, like, an idea of something that you'd like to say or one particular aspect of one of the movies that you guys would like to discuss first? Um, well, should we start off by saying which one we each prefer? Yes. <laughs> Y'all go first. <laughs> Well, I personally, I do love I Know What You Did Last Summer, and to a lesser extent, I still know what you did last summer, but for me, I prefer Urban Legend because I feel it's more of kind of an 80s slasher throwback than I Know What You Did Last Summer, but I know I'm probably alone in this, so I'm the pro-Urban Legend side of the the friendly debate. (laughs) Okay, I, I think I'm more in the middle. Um, I, there's stuff that I like about each of the films and stuff that I think that doesn't work about each of the films. Um, if you had asked me when I was, like, 16 or 17, I probably would have picked... I, I know that I would have picked I Know What You Love Summer because there was... I even did, like, this, like, 
I've done like top 10 lists ever since I was like 10. And I actually put I Know Till the Summer above Scream 2, which is just insane. And I don't agree with that at all today. But um, today, I think that as a movie as a whole, I would have to give the credit. I'm actually agreeing with Andrew here um, with, to Urban Legend. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So I, I, up front, yeah, I prefer I Know Till the Summer. I do like them both a lot, um, and I, I I think it's interesting that you compare Urban Legend like more to, to an 80s slasher because that is very much it. And yes, the deaths are much more fun, and uh, Urban Legend is a more fun movie. Or I know the last time it does take itself more seriously, um, but I still like it. And I'll play devil's advocate. Um, you know, let's say that the four lead characters were not, you know, Sarah Michelle Gellar. You know, let's say they were still like nobodies. Like, what if those were nobody actors? Would that movie be as famous today as it was back then? But I, I don't even care. But it, it does star those four people, so I still love it. <laughs> oh, no, absolutely. And I, I really enjoy I Know What You Did Last Summer as well. My only issue is, aside from Sarah Michelle Gellar, who is a very talented actress, and I will sing her praises because I am a Buffy fan for life, um, Ryan Phillippe does a good job, but he kind of is very... One note, Jennifer Love Hewitt looks a little lost. It's a lot of wide-eyed, boobs out, scream a lot. And then Freddie Prince Jr. just doesn't really have a whole... <laughs> He's being Freddie Prince Jr. <laughs> exactly. And I feel with when Sarah Michelle Gellar dies, spoilers, sorry, it's it's been about 30 years, no big deal, um... When Sir Michelle Geller dies, the 19. movie loses whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but like thirty it's years. Like when, when Sarah Michelle Geller dies, the whole movie kind of loses focus because it's just like, oh shit! Well, we had this movie up until now. What do we do now? Well, we'll just put him on a boat. That's actually kind of funny. That, that, that's what. Um... My 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 partner Andrew, he actually agrees. Like and he loves he loves the movie too, but he he agrees that after Sarah Michelle Gellar dies, like he he actually doesn't like the climax of that movie that much. <laughs> Which I love the climax. Of, I knew you last time. I love the boat scene. I love the score. That's actually I listened to that score a lot um, as a kid, or I mean an older teenager, because um, I used to watch. I, I had like a VHS tape where I would watch it on T. It aired on TNT a lot, and so I recorded the edited version, but I I stopped recording during the commercials. So I would just watch I Know You Did Last Summer a lot. And I think a lot of my liking for it is just the nostalgia because it, um, I, this is so dumb. I used to, the trailer was in front of my, uh, in front of Anaconda on my Anaconda VHS. So I would watch that trailer on repeat like all the time and then watch Anaconda a lot. Um, so I just had more fond memories, I guess, of like the buildup of me getting to go see I Know You Did Last Summer. Oh, and it's, it's got a great score and it's got one of the best trailers from like the post scream, I I will still watch that, and you mm-hmm. know I love the soundtrack. I still listen to the soundtrack, but it just it just feels like they didn't put as much effort into the Jennifer Love Hewitt sequence as they did with the Sarah Michelle Gellar sequence. Because like she's at the front of the boat and he speeds up the boat, but she flies towards the front of the <laughs> boat. When if you speed up the boat, she would have skidded backwards. And yeah. you know she she has to take off her sweater to pull the door open so she can 
be running around in a tank top and it's just they they don't give her a whole lot to do and it's just kind of frustrating because it's like you just saw Sarah Michelle Geller do pretty much everything right except for that one turnaround moment and then you watch her die and then you see Jennifer Love Hewitt just do stupid decision after stupid decision and she's supposed to be the one we root for well, if, to kind of go off that, I think that one thing that is important to kind of look at for both of these movies is that the friend character in each of them is more interesting than the lead actress. Yeah, I was going to say, like, you think Alicia Witt is that interesting in Urban Legend? <laughs> no, I do not. That's another, that is one of the, the problems I have, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, neither neither one of them is ever going to be in my top 10 horror heroines <laughs> and both of them I have seen in things other than their slasher movies and have liked them and other things it just seemed like neither one of them really got a whole lot of like like hardcore like this is what you got to do this is what's going to happen it's just kind of like just scream a lot well, Alicia Witt doesn't even scream that much. She just kind of looks sad the entire movie. <laughs> oh, really? Because I think she screams a lot. I mean, uh, with the Joshua Jackson and like her roommate, and I mean, she's got a great oh, yeah. scream. Same with same with Jennifer Love Hewitt. They've got great scream queen screams. They're very they're not shrill to the point where you're like, Ugh, shut up kind of like Tara Reid. But, again, that was that was not Tara Reid's choice in Urban Legend. That was the director being like, you have to scream a lot because you're going to be over the radio and people are going to listen. But when you're watching the movie, well, you're just kind of like, shut up. <laughs> well, Tara, I, I love Tara Reid's scene. I think Tara Reid, that's like the best part of the movie for me. Well, minus the ending, which we can get to that in a minute, because I think both movies have, yeah. Um, but, but Tara Reid's like whole, I do think, honestly, I think it kind of rips off Sarah Michelle Gellar's chase scene, and I know you do last summer, and it's not as good as that chase scene, but it's a really good scene. Oh, and see, I didn't think it ripped off Sarah Michelle Gellar's scene, because Sarah Michelle Gellar's scene is way bigger in scope than this one is I always felt Sarah Michelle Gellar's scene is was very inspired by the original prom night with Wendy's chase scene throughout yeah. high school so I mean you are it's, correct it's all yeah it's all very like you can tie it back to each other I just thought there was definitely a big sense of style in urban legend that the director had that I felt the director of I Know What You Did Last Summer did not have. Visually, anyways. Um, I... Oh, I'm like looking it up now, trying to see who directed Urban Legend, and it's the guy who directed Valentine. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't think there's anything particularly like novel about the filming style of Urban Legend or the directing of it. Oh, see, I just thought he he took a lot of chances with camera angles and, like, the scope of the movie. You know, he got the job with Urban Legends by filming a fake trailer 
before I Know What You Did last summer. He just didn't submit it in time to be in the running, but they liked it so much they gave him Urban Legend right after. Hmm. Well, one thing that I do think is interesting about Urban Legend is that, out of, especially out of the 90s horror movies, looking back at it, it's very mean-spirited. Um, you have a dog that dies. You have jokes about a girl who possibly committed suicide. Like, there's a lot in that movie that, as an adult, I pick up more than what I did as a kid. I don't necessarily know if I like that stuff, but it's just kind of shocking to see in kind of, you know, many people think of, like, the 90s slashers as very cookie-cutter generic, and that kind of goes against that whole kind of argument of that. Oh, yeah, there's definitely, like, a, a mean mean streak going in urban legend but there's kind of a mean streak in i know what you did last summer too i mean how many people do they kill that has no ties to the accident anyways i mean most of the body count is people that had nothing to do with it well i mean are you referring to like the johnny galecki character because i took that as they killed him because he was like at the crash site well, there's Johnny Galecki, there's the cop, there's the sister. Oh, yeah, Bridget Wilson. <laughs> Who, I'm sorry, I love Bridget Wilson, but she might as well have been named Red Herring in this movie because she did nothing except for be mean to Sarah Michelle Gellar and cast, like, suspicious glances at people. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, but that, I still... that's the same thing... That's like with the janitor in Urban Legend, who all he does oh, is be a red herring and cast suspicious glances. That's true. And you know what? The thing of it is, is I kind of, I, I love both of them. I can't, I don't know. I I don't want to ever, like, come off like I'm vehemently against I Know What You Did Last Summer. I love both of them. It's just when I see stuff where people are saying I Know What You Did Last Summer is the best one to come out. It's better than Scream. It's such a great film. And I just sit there and I'm like, did we watch the same? Like, it's fun. Well, you see, though, I mean, like, I have seen people in the comments on Bloody Disgusting shit all over I Know You last summer. People hate that movie, and I don't understand hating it. Like, I get maybe, like, maybe it's not your cup of tea, but why hate that movie? <laughs> well, I, 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 I see that, and I will raise you. People on the comments of Bloody Disgusting that I have read hate everything. Like, they just never seem happy. They're going to just bitch about everything. And I've gotten to the point where I I get mad when I read the comments because it's just a bunch of people who are like, oh, that's awful. Why are they doing that? And I'm like, they haven't even filmed anything yet, dude. Like, Mm -hmm. you can't. Yeah, it's just, it's frustrating. Stupid internet. Uh, Yeah, yeah. I think that's a lot of horror. I think that's a kind of a horror trend, and I'm not, I don't mean to generalize the horror audience, but I think that's kind of a thing where it's just like you know we bitch and we bitch and we bitch and we want something original, and when something original does finally come out, then we bitch about it too, or we don't go see it, and that's why we get a lot of you know cookie cutter carbon copies of horror movies. Well, exactly. As like I've talked about many times with Kevin. It seems like anything like It Follows or The Babadook or anything that gets, like, really, really good reviews from the, the general public, 
it turns or uh, like the general critics, not the general public, but then it turns into a bunch of horror fans being like, "Oh, that movie is overrated." Well, I, I know we just got off track a little bit here, but I want to say one thing about that. So, like, I I did I attended my first film festival um, back in September, and I did a fantastic fest here in Austin. It's like a genre film festival. It's all horror, like sci-fi film. And then I did South by this year. But with um, Fantastic Fest, you know, I saw probably like 25 movies in a week. Um, and I kind of understand movies that, like, 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 um, like It Follows. You know, it, it did the festival circuit. It did really, really well. It got rave reviews. And then it came out and people were kind of like, oh, that's it. And I was one of those people, you know, I, I saw It Follows after all the buzz. Um, I like it now, but I, I thought it was just fine like when I first saw it. But after sitting through a festival, when you are sitting through movies back to back to back to back to back, they all kind of start to blur together. So when there's any movie that just kind of does something different, it, by comparison, seems a lot better. And that's where mm-hmm. all that festival buzz comes from. Like sitting through 30 movies and you 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 got to pick one out, like one will stand out. And that's what it follows was. Yeah, and I think that's a good point, too. I mean, too, when you're, like, watching at a film festival, you might not know a single thing about it. Versus seeing at the theater, especially with It Follows, it was weeks of buzz saying that it was the scariest movie of the year. Yes. Which is stupid because you have these old, like, button-up, fuddy-duddy reviewers saying, oh, it's terrifying. Well, Joe Blow moviegoer is not going to find it terrifying because it's subtle and it builds up dread and they do not want that. They want boo scares and gore. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't even know how to like broach that phenomenon with people. It, it's really frustrating. I know it's the world we live in. Yeah, I mean, but, there's um, kind of the, the other side of that token, too, where, you know, you have these movies that come out, and then people, like, immediately kind of give them this title that they don't deserve of being, like, an instant classic. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's hard because, especially with the Internet, it, like, it seems like, oh, I starred in like three straight to DVD horror movies, I'm going to just start calling myself a scream queen. And like a a guy that makes two horror movies is all of a sudden a master of horror and stuff like, like it just seems like a lot of people on the internet, like grow the fandom way too fast. And you're just like, you need to like build this up. Like you need to have more than like two years of making horror movies. You need to do it for like, Wanting, and they just they just jump, they jump the gun. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, <laughs> it, it, it's just so. I mean, like, I I, I need to rewatch the Babadook because I've only seen it the one time, and I was not a huge fan of it. Um, but I do love it. Follows and like the witch that like that was that's the most recent example I can think of is the witch. Although. Um, did, did either one of you see the invitation that came out on, this weekend? Yeah. Um, I love that. We, like, we were actually talking about that at the beginning. Do I? We were actually talking about that at the beginning. Yeah, we've both seen it. Okay. Well, so 
that was my favorite movie out of Fantastic Fest. That's that that was my follow to that festival. Like it just stuck out. It was the most tense movie going experience I I felt in a very long time. But it's not an easily accessible film as say something like Hush would be. You know, um, it's a mm-hmm. slow burn. P- people like mainstream will watch that movie and be like, this is kind of boring. I had someone bitch on bitch to me about on Twitter about how my review, my five skull review, um, was let him down and he said that all the characters were stupid and more stupid than most horror movies and I was like really like I didn't think that but whatever (laughs) yeah I didn't think they were dumb at all but again different strokes I guess yeah yeah I mean I I wasn't necessarily a fan of the film but even I said in like my mini review that like okay I didn't particularly like the characters and the story didn't do much for me, but it's really beautifully shot and it's well acted. Like you've got to find some good in kind of every bad. Otherwise you're just going to go crazy. Well, exactly. There's just nothing bad in the invitation, but I'll let that fly. (laughs) (laughs) And maybe I need to watch again for whatever reason, the characters just, and, and me and Andrew talked about this a little bit, like, the characters just didn't grow on me. And when you have a, a very slow burn with very um, that's very character-driven, that when you don't really have that to go on to, that by the time the horror really kicks in at, like, the 80-minute mark, it kind of lost me about 40 minutes before that. Oh, I, I, I think – I guess it, it's all subjective. Like, a lot of those characters reminded me of people I know or friends that I have. Um, so I think maybe that's why it connected with me more. Um, like, I felt like I knew a lot of those people. See, for me, I think my biggest problem was that I couldn't get past the fact that I didn't believe that him and her would have gone to this thing. You didn't believe that he would want to see his wife that disappeared for two years? I don't believe that she would have went with or she would have been okay with it. Mm, I disagree, but that's okay. So, urban legend. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so yeah, back to the topic. I Well, I think part of why I like urban legend a little bit more than I know you did last summer, and just a little bit more, is the fact that it, it, it kind of feels like a cheat with urban legend that they did the, the first Friday the 13th syndrome where it spends, like, a big chunk of the movie being a who done it and they don't introduce the person who's the killer until the very end. I, 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 it's kind of hard for me to wrap around. Whereas I did give Friday the 13th, a big cast because I saw it when I was six and I just loved it no matter what. But I don't know. It, it's just frustrating because they spend the whole movie being like, well, it's you and it's you and it's you and it's you like, Give us a little bit more than just he's right there. Yeah, I think kind of with that, I mean, if we're kind of like looking at, and, and maybe this is just me getting older, but I actually just watched Urban Legend again. I mean, not Urban Legend. I watched Last Summer again last year after I haven't seen that for a while. And I was actually kind of taken aback in a good way by the introduction of Anne Heche's character as kind of like the sister, you know, motherly role. And 
I kept thinking I wanted to know more about her, that she was kind of in one scene. I felt like she was more likable than any of our main stars. Yeah, I wouldn't go that I, I, far. I agree. Well, she, I mean, she, she's more sympathetic than a lot of our main mm-hmm. stars. I, I think yeah. maybe you could say, use that word. Um, but also, she's a huge red herring. Like, that, that, that should have been her name, is red herring. Um, <laughs> exactly. But... I mean, yeah, I agree. I, I I wouldn't have minded to see more of Crazy and Hayes, and that was right around her like crazy time too. I think where she's yeah, like Celestia can... and yeah, yeah. But um, I remember. So and, and maybe I was alone in this, but whenever y'all saw, I know you did listen for the first time. Were y'all really confused as to who the who Ben Willis was? Well, at first I was just kind of like. Well, who the fuck is the killer? And then I'm just like, well, it's it, is it him? It's not him. And then all of a sudden, I was just like, she's reading the thing during Sarah Michelle Gellar's station. She's like, survived by her father Ben Willis, a local fisherman. I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah, I, I remember like watching. I was like, so was it the guy on the rock? Was it her? I, I just remember. It, I, I thought at the time it was convoluted, but I mean, it's not. I mean, it kind of is, but it does make sense, obviously, after you think about it. But I just remember being really confused when I was younger as to what exactly had happened. Well, yeah, that's funny that you say that because I didn't have that that big of a problem with this movie, but I definitely know what you mean because after we had seen the movie Valentine's the Theater, there was like an, we spent like an hour in the lobby debating about what happened at the end. Ugh, that movie. <laughs> that, oh, yeah, no. Um, I actually don't hate Valentine, but it, that's a nostalgia thing. Do I think it's a good movie? No. Do I think it deserves the hate it gets? Eh, not exactly. I mean, it's it's a cash in. It's a cheesy cash in that got hurt by the Columbine massacre and the MPAA ripped it to shreds. But it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I agree. Well, I think I don't think it's outright terrible. I, I do remember it getting like really trashed when it came out. I just remember even when I was younger, I saw it and I was like, "This is kind of like not that interesting." Even like mm-hmm. I, I, someone like went to, like talked to me and they were like, "Oh, but that Denise Richards kill is so cool," and I was like, "Not really." She gets electrocuted in a hot tub. It's not particularly creative. I, I, I love the idea of Valentine. I think it's a great concept. It's based on a book that is really good, um, but it that whole movie just doesn't, like, it doesn't feel like a full movie. Like, it feels like it was chopped to bits. Mm-hmm. Well, and let, let's be realistic. It's, it's, it's extremely, extremely loosely based on a book, because I've, I've read the book a few times, and... It, it it aside from like a prank that happened, but this one was like a prank in college. It really shares no similarities because the, from what I remember, the book is it's it takes like it spans like four years where each year the guy like injects himself into one of the girls' lives as somebody else and then kills them off. Whereas mm-hmm. the movie is just. Blood a guts. standard slasher. But, yeah. But, but there's no blood and guts. 
No. Well, no I think, won't. Oh, that was taken away. Well, I yeah. think with Valentine, I think that movie would have been so much better if they would have dropped the whodunit aspect and we would have known all along who it was. Because I think that would have added a creepy element to the movie to say, like, hey, get away from this guy. Because the whodunit aspect doesn't work whatsoever. No, and then but, the ending well, is definitely confusing because you've got the, like, the 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 twist fake-out ending where, basically, spoilers, David Boreanaz sets up Jessica Capshaw's character as the killer, just like she accused him of something he didn't do. But you don't really get that unless you really kind of, like, watch the movie a few times and... Because the way it comes off on the first time is, oh, well, she's the killer, but then, I don't know. But then his nose bleeds. Yeah. Nose bleeds. Well, I, I think it would have been a better movie had they just adapted the novel like, like it should have been. <laughs> uh, I mean, exactly. And, and the, the novel is a whodunit. I mean, kind of, but it would be harder to pull off, though, because I'll just spoil it. It, it is the same killer. Like, it's the boyfriend, you know? Um but it's done because you, like, it would be tricky to adapt that into a movie because, like, obviously when you're reading the book, you can't see these, you can't see him. So you can't be like, oh, that's, that's the killer, you know? I don't know. But, mm-hmm. uh, it, well, the book like, is really like the good book, and they should have adapted it. It's like the book, uh, the original book of I Know What You Did Last Summer. I mean, the killer in that one is not only Julie James's new boyfriend, but he's Helen Shiver or Helen Rivers next door neighbor. I mean, you can't have him when it, when it's a book, you can have the killer be two people at once, like fake out. But in the movie, you're going to be able to tell right away because it's visual. Agree. Um, So we just have like two, three minutes left. Um, So we've kind of given our little debate about, um, urban legend versus I know what you last summer. Uh, so Trace, um, let the listeners know where they can find more of your writing and work online. And then also, do you have any recent slashers that you would recommend for people to check out? Oh shit. Um, well, so you you can find my work at blooddisgusting.com. For recent slashers that I've seen that I like, I I oh. I just saw uh, oh I just saw pieces for the first time which was pretty awesome, um, and I watched the Sleepaway Camp trilogy for the first time, which <gasps> oh, was really wow. good. <laughs> well, I, I had seen the first one years ago, um, but I just watched part two and three. Nice. How'd you like them? Oh, I thought they were a blast. I love the second one actually. I think the second one's my favorite out of the whole trilogy. Yeah, I mean, it's that's one of those series that, like, it, two and three are kind of their own little genre of horror, very much out of its time, that kind of, like, tongue-in-cheek self-awareness. So, yeah, it's it's good stuff. So, yeah, those are some good recommendations. So thanks for uh, being our guest this week on our show. Um, hope you had fun. <laughs> I did. Yeah, thank you. I just want to throw this out there before I go. The, the one thing I do – Love about Urban Legend is everything Rebecca Gayhart does in the climax. Everything about it. Oh, absolutely. I mean, she goes like full blown over the top, no holds barred, and I I love it too. And that's kind of why I like it a little bit more is because I feel like Muse Watson 
takes it a little too seriously. Whereas, I mean, she's got a goddamn slideshow. I mean, how ridiculous is that? <laughs> like, one, more thing, one more thing that I want to put out there that we haven't actually talked about at all, and that, that's part of the reason I like Urban Legend also better, is the character of Reese, which I think she is so much fun, and that's a character that we normally don't get very often in soccer films. Well, Lorraine Divine just rules. <laughs> but yeah, like like I said, I like I like both of them a lot. I just prefer one a little bit over the other, but I just I thought it would be a fun kind of debate cuz I know Trace you feel the opposite way where you think I know you did last summer's just a little bit better than Urban Legend. So, I just thought this would be fun. Oh, no, no, it was. Was. I and thank you all for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, um, so that's going to be the end of our show. We have less than a minute left. So thank you once again, Trace, for being our guest tonight. Yeah. And uh, next week, have a horrible week. You yeah. too, guys. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.